Welcome back to our living room and to the Life of Garrity podcast. Today, we are talking about our take on minimalism. Beginning this week, we're going to introduce a new segment into the show. What's that segment called? What's filling up your cup? Right. Where we're going to talk about things that are filling up our cup. Right. So this week, I would like to share with you that I'm really into giving myself an at-home facial. And I will tag in the show notes a resource for you that is free from a spa in New York City that I absolutely love. I got a facial there last November. And then of course, my next appointment was right when COVID started. So that was canceled and I haven't been able to go back yet, but they put a free resource out on the interwebs where you can give yourself an awesome at home massage. I guess it's not a facial. It's just a, it's a facial massage and you don't need anything fancy to do it. You just need some massage oil or facial oil or something like that i'm into it yeah sounds interesting i think more broadly what's filling my cup up these days is getting to know my neighbors yeah and when i say neighbors i'm not talking about just like the guy that lives across the hall but like i've been spending a lot of time doing fitness stuff outside our building is in the corner of a busy street but in the back there's three parking spots, one of which belongs to the building for guests. And so there's kind of this little patio out there that's separated from the street. And it's a nice little area to lay down a yoga mat and do some fitness. I've kind of gotten into running a little bit. So I do my pre-morning workouts. And on Saturdays and Sundays, my workouts are usually like mid-morning. And I've been running into lots of folks. You know, if you look around your neighborhood, especially work from home now, which is basically all of you, uh, you, I'm sure you see the same folks walking around, walking the dog, taking a stroll, doing this, even the same USPS guy comes by at the same time. You get to know these folks and talk to these people. So one of these guys today I ran by was the dude that walk, uh, drives around the city and he waters all the trees. Mm-hmm. And he was so nice. He was like, hey, man, I see you running around. He's like, what are you training for? You know, and uh, I stopped to talk to him right in the middle of my workout. He was a super nice guy. And then there's a couple other people that I see all the time. There's one woman who walks her golden retriever that I get to see often, who's like the happiest dog in the world. He loves this dog. (laughs) Happiest dog in the world, just like cruising around, sniffing some stuff, wagging his tail in the morning. And uh, he's just living life, man. I'm like, I can relate, you know? So really getting plugged in. And I just saw the survey the other day on Zillow that was like, hey, do you think that your neighborhood is neighborly? And I was like, hell yeah. Apparently 83% of respondents agreed with me. So that's filling my cup up. But I'm not, my knee-jerk reaction, like I'm outgoing, but my knee-jerk reaction is not to interact with strangers. I kind of have to get to know them before I want to interact with them. But I've been enjoying getting to know other folks I will add to that that we live in a very diverse neighborhood of people who don't 
believe like us, don't look like us, etc. And we are all about that. And that was a huge driving force of us wanting to buy this apartment because we want to be surrounded by uh, people who are different than us. Yeah. I, on the other hand, am still just at home. I'm really not going out that much. I do look out the window a lot. And I used to sit next to the window when it was open, but it's really hot and muggy right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that concludes our segment on what's filling up your cup. Moving on to our regularly scheduled programming. We're talking about minimalism or at least our take on it. I'm sure there's some folks listening that are like in it and that can be like, wait a second, do you know what you're talking about? But preface this with, this has just been our experience we don't live a 100% minimalist lifestyle. It's more about the self-awareness surrounding the concept of minimalism and the ideology that supports it. Understanding how to live sustainably, make small decisions that can add up over time and just doing your part. Absolutely. With that, let's talk about it. I have this memory of when we first moved here, we had packed up all of our stuff and a moving company had shipped it out here. And I remember unpacking the boxes and looking at things like, you brought this, you packed this. Yeah, 2,000 miles across the country. were you thinking? And that was my first kind of foray into reevaluating things. So just to go back to that real quick about like, you know, being surprised at things you brought. I think the reason he did that was because, and I did the same things is because we moved a lot after college. I think that that's kind of par for the course when you're young, you know, you're trying to figure out where you want to be. There's different opportunities that present themselves and you just get into this mode of just like pack, repack and it almost becomes easier to not think about it or think about any of the emotional baggage that comes with some of the things that you would potentially get rid of. And so what you do is you just throw it all in the box and moves on to the next place. You unpack it. You do have those brief moments where you're like, what am I doing? And then ultimately it just sits in the closet until you move again. And so then what happened was we showed up here and I remember thinking that, you know, all the apartments we lived in, you know, we live in a city, so they're not as big as what we were living in in Aspen and everything scaled down. And I always remember thinking like, we never have enough room for anything Mm -hmm. for everything I should say. And in 2016, we came across a documentary on Netflix called Minimalism, a documentary about important things. And it's a book written by these two guys. In fact, I have the book on my nightstand that was adopted to this, this documentary about minimalism. And they're kind of, they're beginning to talk about this concept of uh, consumerism, right? And they go down the rabbit hole on it. We won't go down the rabbit hole here because you don't want to... Toes the line with political inferences and so on and so forth. But the idea was pretty simply that we took away from it was this is fantastic. You know, it's, it's finally a kind of a catalyst to force us to start thinking about the things that we did drag across the country, why we drag them across the country and how we can not only declutter our life, but also going forward, when we think about things that we want or need for the for the home or our lives to be a lot more conscious of the ripple effect created from those decisions to acquire those things. 
and not just be all willy-nilly. Now, the other thing I would preface this statement with is it's not a perfect science. I'm not perfect when it comes to this. Sure, every now and then I, I, you know, lob an impulse buy into the website. Ryan has a lot of shoes. On the interweb. Like a lot of shoes. So I have some shoes and some things like that. And I like to support some of the smaller companies, uh, mostly athleisure apparel type stuff that make things that I really enjoy. But for the most part, we really do try to keep in mind what it means to be a consumer in today's day and age. And I think we've made a ton of progress. Like if somebody comes to our apartment, they wouldn't be like, whoa, these people are minimalist. But really it's more of a mindset for us. And it's, you know, there's a ripple effect in all areas of, we try to look at this in every area of our life and we don't always do great. I'm, I definitely hoard products when it comes to beauty products. That's just, it's a tough thing. I'm trying to get better at it. Yes. I know what I like. I like to stock up. But the clothing is another one that I'm continually, like every six months I go through and I try to get rid of. And I really don't buy a ton of clothes anymore. And I'm always trying to go through if I'm going to buy something, it's because I absolutely love it and I know I'm going to wear it a lot. And what I'm really trying to, trying to lean towards in the coming future is a capsule wardrobe so that when I look at the closet, everything in there is, is stuff that I'm actually actively wearing and that I love. That's something that I've, I've really struggled with. But I want to go back to this documentary and I would absolutely recommend watching it. And I remember that we both had a very strong emotional reaction to seeing the documentary. Do you remember what any of those feelings were? Um, I mean, I kind of felt guilty at first because I was like, man, I'm just like willy nilly out here just buying stuff to buy stuff, you know, creating a bunch of waste. It forced me to call into question what I really thought about utility in a product or an item, right? Like when I look at my wardrobe, because that's a big thing with me. It's like the clothes, too. And I'm looking at the shirts and I'm like, that one doesn't quite fit right. That one I like because of this. That one I like because of this. And there were all kind of like little tidbits of things I like. Nothing I loved. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why am I putting up with this? Why am I hanging on to this stuff? You know, I've been dragging a lot of these things around for years. And, you know, when we finally started to go through that um, and start to understand why that was important originally was the eye opener, right? Like, and then understanding that there was uh, an emotional connection to a lot of these things, you know? Yeah. And I think that like that part was difficult because it wasn't the shirt per se. Maybe it was something connected to it. So we got into this mode where when we do do spring cleaning or winter cleaning and we try to, donate some things we go through and we find these things and we thank it for its service and then it is an easier pill to swallow to know that we're going to donate it to an organization that will provide things like this to other folks there's also that book by marie kondo the life-changing magic of tidying up and i of course read that when everyone read it five years ago or however 
whenever that book came out. And I remember reading it and kind of doing it, but it wasn't until I saw the minimalist documentary that I really understood some of the mindset behind why I was holding on to a lot of things. That actually reminds me, one of the things that jumped out for me was um, the author was talking a lot about he lived this kind of mediocre middle-class life and he was very uninspired and almost depressed and he kept filling his life with things like there was a hole there that he kept filling with things because they'd give they'd give him a brief period of relief and then he'd be right back to feeling depressed and that for me was like whoa like I definitely see that I do that from time to time, not feeling so well. I'm going to go buy one of my favorite things, you know? And ultimately he was saying that it was just basically a vicious cycle. It never ends. Right. And unfortunately contemporary advertising makes us feel like we need to continuously buy, 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 buy. And societal norms have kind of shifted to it's about the things that you have that you identify with that makes you the person you are and it's how you seek approval from your fellows right and i was like that is so ridiculous but i was living that 100 percent, right i need to have all the things and the fancy things and this and that so when i stopped caring about having the fancy things that i don't like because of who i'm trying to impress and started caring about the things i that i do have that I have as the result of some sort of inherent benefit or quality that I'm looking for and stop caring about what other people think is the mindset, is the shift, right? Exactly. Okay, so the other thing is, is this concept really changed how we viewed what we buy. Yeah. And thinking about if we're going to buy something we need to have, it has a purpose. We have a plan for it. It's going to better our life in some way or it's going to benefit someone. And if we are going to buy something, if it's like a big item, then we need to have whatever it's replacing needs to also have a plan. It needs to be donated or given to someone and be able to be used. Like we got a new vacuum where we absolutely were obsessed with our vacuum, but we gave our old one to your brother who had just moved into an apartment with right. his buddies. Yeah. So it's like in situations like that, I, I want to know that that circle of life is happening. And I feel like I don't have stress about purchasing things like I used to. Because there was always that guilt of like, do I really need this? But now I don't even question it. If it's something that really isn't going to bring a lot of value to my life, if it's not going to spark joy, like Marie Kondo says, then I don't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's become more of a, like you said, mindset, you know, as opposed to like something we feel like we need to do because we feel guilty about something else, about our way of consuming. Yeah. But I will say it does scare me. You know, I work in New York City when I do work. I mean, right now it's work from home. But it scares me, man, on the garbage days when you're cruising across the city and you just see these like 20-foot tall piles of just trash. <sighs> 
in front of one building. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy, holy hell, man. We produce so much waste, you know, and it's not sustainable. And it's, it's scary. So, like, there's little things that we can do day to day to be more aware of those. Right. And I think one of them is we don't really participate in fast fashion. We buy things for quality that are going to last. Yeah, because I think like the concept of fast fashion, actually human desire to want to feel fulfilled, right? Like something that is like an immediate gratification and you can go get those shoes or this blouse or that jacket or whatever it is at like a Nordstrom rack or something for a fraction of the price that you'd get the top quality version of, right? And then it lasts for like 30 30 days or so, whatever it is, right? And so rather than run out and buy that thing because you want that thing right now, and ultimately we become disinterested with that thing, why don't we think about what inherent benefit I'm trying to gain from that thing? And if there's other alternative options out there, other sustainable, sustainably produced options out there, that's another thing too. If you really like the shoes, cool. I'm sure there's somebody else that makes them or makes a better version that's more sustainable in the way they produce them, right? Yeah. You know, so like do a little bit of homework on that. And that's how we came across a lot of these small brands that we really like yeah a lot of b corps a lot of b corps um not a lot of big box people we're supporting little guys you know there's a clothing company called state and liberty that i really like and i'll tell you what man when covid started those folks called me they called him on the telephone (laughs) and was like hey we're just checking in we want to see how you're doing you know you know running a promo this weekend and something like that i was like I've never had a brand that I bought something from call me to see how I'm doing, right? That was wild. It's a small company, you know? And so I really like their shirts because they're stretchy, they're dress shirts and uh, not iron, they're great. But, you know, I like to support people like that, like entrepreneurs. I have a friend building a business right now for athletic apparel, high quality athletic apparel made in the US. And as soon as he launches it, You'll I'll, be hearing about I'll it. I'll plug it for sure. But uh, same same concept. They're all stories. There's people's lives behind these things, right? Yeah. And I think that the more we can support our community in that sense, the more value we get out of it. Yeah. And not, not value per se from like an item in particular, but more like the utility of happiness that we... pull from it absolutely that's such a good point doing the right thing you know and supporting people you know because you believe in that ideology absolutely and next week we're talking about voting with our dollars so we will do a deep dive on some of the brands that we love and the ideas behind why we support companies that are examples of the future we want for the world but there's another aspect to this of you're going to like that product more and you're going to enjoy using it more. And, you know, when someone says, oh, are those Rothy's? I'm like, heck yeah, they're made out of plastic water bottles. 
what now? I, I can throw them in the wash as soon as I get home. You know, I, I love being able to talk about the good things that the brands that I use are doing. But the other point I wanted to make is also the mental clutter. And in episode two, when we were talking about breaking up with social media, you talked about the digital clutter on our phones. And I think then there's also the physical clutter in our space where when you look around, I want to be able to look at everything. And, you know, like Marie Kondo says, it sparks joy. And that's been something slowly over the last several years since we watched that documentary for the first time where we've tried to go through and be like, you know what, this doesn't spark joy. Someone else could really find benefit out of this. Let me, you know, pass it on. And it's not an overnight ordeal. It's taken a really long time, but I think we're slowly kind of getting there. Yeah. If you look around your living room, you should look at the items that you have strewn about. And if you find something that you cannot recall where it came from, what it means or why it's there, you should probably get rid of it. I mean, I look around now and I look at each item and every item has a story attached to it. Yeah. Right? From the little turkey on the table to the candles that we love to the flowers, our wedding vase, everything. 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 There's nothing here that I look at that I'm like, where the hell did that come from? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because I'm like, because I'm just, you know, picking things up left and right. I'll buy that, buy this, whatever. I'll deal with it later. No. Like, it took us a year and a half to pick out that piece of art on the wall. Yeah. Just couldn't find the right thing. I want to give one example of around the holiday time. I was thinking, gosh, we really need a new pan. I have had a very tumultuous relationship with cast iron pans. And, you know, those ones you can you can buy them on Amazon. The, the brand is called Lodge. I've had several of them that I ended up having to throw out because something terrible happened to it, whether I cooked salmon in it and then it was ruined for life and I couldn't find a way to clean it out and make it not smell like salmon. So I've had a few of those that I've had to throw out over the years and, and that really bums me out. But around the holidays, I realized we really need a new cast iron for uh, cooking meats. And we use a lot of green pan, but we really were, we were in a situation where one of them was really wearing down and we needed a new one. But a lot of those you have to buy to get the size we wanted. You had to buy a whole set, but I just knew. I knew that if I bought a whole set, that was a huge waste. And we ended up going to Bed Bath & Beyond We found another very similar brand that is super safe, does not have Teflon or anything creepy in it. And we just bought the one pan. And that's like a perfect example of rather than buy the whole set, it was probably the same price to buy a whole set versus this one pan, but we only needed the one pan. So we got that one. And then also I was about to get rid of this really nice, I think it was, I think it's a Le Creuset cast iron pan that we got when we uh, in our wet our wedding registry mm-hmm. and i had cooked something in there a couple years ago and like it kind of never tasted the same and every time we would cook out of it i would be like oh what is wrong with that pan so i was about to throw it away and ryan was like well maybe we'll try just like cleaning it one more time and sure enough we cleaned it and 
it's our favorite pan now. We're obsessed with it. It's so the pan that's most appropriate for high heat searing for meats. Yeah. Yeah. So like I wouldn't make eggs in there, but yeah, absolutely. All of a sudden, All brand, of a sudden brand new utility out of it. Yeah. And it was this really expensive pan and I had put it in the back of the cabinet and not used it because I was upset about that it smelled weird and really all it needed was a deep clean and now we're using it again. So I think our kitchen cabinets is something that we go through pretty regularly to be like, are we still using this? Are we still into that? And uh, th those are items that can absolutely be taken to Goodwill or be, you know, given to a friend or, you know, if one of your brothers is moving out or whatever, then uh, those are great ways to reuse those items because yeah. kitchen items tend to last forever. Moral of the story, you can repurpose things. Yeah. Don't leave it for dead just yet. No. I learned my lesson with that one. <laughs> well, I think that sums up our conversation about minimalism. And next week, join us to hear more about how we like to vote with our dollars. See you next week. If you liked this podcast, please rate and review. And if you screenshot it and email it to us with your mailing address, we will send you a fun gift from one of our favorite companies for Sigmatic. All of this information is in the show notes.